2: Here at the Ranger Report Podcast, we only represent products we believe in. As you've heard over the past year plus, we've been running our Walton's commercial. I've been using Walton's products for a long time now, and let me tell you, they're some of the best seasonings I've ever used. One of my staples to make at my house are pork chops, and their Ultimate Pork Chop and Roast, roast, roast has gotten more compliments than anything that I've ever used. For burgers, their Better Burger Seasoning is delicious, and I only use that on my burgers. Again, tons of compliments. They have all kinds of seasonings that you can imagine. They have barbecue sauce and the thick kind, not the watery kind at all. If you're into wild game, they have seasons and rubs for that as well. Don't forget their line of sausage casings and all the tools to make your own meat products from sausage and jerky to grinders and more. Walton's really is a one stop shop for everything but the meat. If you like tips and tricks and videos on how to do a whole lot of things when it comes to cooking, then you should go to www.meatgistics.com. Go to www.waltonsinc.com today and start shopping and tell them the Ranger Report podcast sent you. Waltons, everything but the meat.
0: This is Bruce Bochy and you're listening to the Ranger Report. The Ranger Report. Hear yeah,
1: the Ranger Report inside scoop. Listen to the Ranger
2: Report. Oh, here we go! This is the Ranger Report podcast. News, insights, predictions, interviews, and information about the Texas Rangers, from the major leagues to the minor leagues. And now... Here are your hosts, Ben Dieter and C.J. Berryman. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Ranger Report Podcast. We are uh, thrilled to be joined today by Mark Brown. Mark Brown covers the Orioles for the Fans First Sports Network. Mark, where can they find you on Twitter? Twitter.
1: I am on Twitter at Camden Chat, uh, which is the SB Nation blog for the Orioles, of which I am the manager. So uh, if you don't want to hear me podcast or if you just want to hear more, you can find
2: me there. That's right. And we are, of course, we talked earlier in the year when the Rangers had a series with them. Both teams were doing really well. But back then, I didn't imagine that the Rangers and Orioles would be playing for the American League Division Series for a chance to play in the ALCS. No, I
1: certainly couldn't have imagined it either. Um, the Orioles, you know, they they haven't uh, they hadn't at that point really had sustained success. It was like, well, they've had a couple good months. Can they do it the whole year? And the answer has turned out to be yes. The Orioles actually um, had a winning month every month of the season, assuming we count March in with April and September in with October, for the first time since I believe 1983, which is also the last time the Orioles won the World Series. So. <laughs> I found that pretty impressive once that stat was pointed out, because even the last two Orioles teams to win the American League East, which was 2014 and 1997, did not accomplish that same feat of having a winning record in every month. So for all that it seemed along the way, like the Orioles maybe were on the precipice of disaster, they actually (laughs) warded it off every time they got close and they were consistently a winner every month of the year.
2: Well, I don't know if you watched the American league wildcard series, but the Rangers, I mean, they just dominated Tampa Bay, which surprised me. I thought it was going to be a two Oh sweep the other way. Cause the Rangers kind of limped into the playoffs. You know, they, they led the division 160 days in 2023 and lost it on the last day of the season to the Seattle by losing to the Mariners. Oh, and I didn't came, realize that. Yeah. They, 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 that last game of the season, the Rangers, it knocked them out of the AL West championship and, uh, They would have been the number two seed had they won that game, but they lost one to nothing. So uh, it's going to be an interesting series. But I think, you know, the Rangers, of course, last playoff series won was 2011, which, of course, went all the way to the World Series and then lost in game seven to the St. Louis Cardinals. But the last playoff appearance they had was 2016, and they were swept out by the Toronto Blue Jays. So I wasn't sad to see the Blue Jays get knocked out by the Twins, who we were just talking about off the air. They finally got that monkey off their back of uh, winning a playoff series.
1: Yeah, well, let me tell you, I also don't want to talk about what the Toronto Blue Jays did to my favorite baseball team in the uh, 2016 postseason. So uh, I I understand you there. But yeah, you know, it was funny about the Rays, like the Orioles and Rays games in the regular season, like every one of them just felt so crucial. And it just seemed like it was almost like it was inevitable that the Orioles and Rays were going to meet again in the postseason. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, I mean, I was watching the wildcard games. And it was like, wait a minute, this was the team that we were, like, afraid of all year? Like, they looked like they had nothing left in the tank, honestly. Now, I don't know if that was actually how it was for them. You know, you can – it's easy to watch a couple games and, um, you know, uh, put your preferred idea on it, and maybe that's not what's actually going on in the clubhouse. But, I mean – it just, it seemed like they had nothing left. And I mean, it's understandable because they've had so many injuries that they had to battle through over the course of the season. And uh, I feel like the one they suffered pretty late towards the end there where uh, their infielder, Brandon Lau, uh, I think he broke one of his leg bones or something. It was going to be out for not terribly long, but, you know, since we're near the end, the rest of whatever season and postseason they were going to play. It seemed like that was like the last one and it was just, they couldn't, couldn't overcome one more. And that was like the last straw because, you know, they they kind of limped to the end a little bit. And like, I mean, they fought down to the end for the AL East, but that was because they had the 13 and 0 cushion at the beginning of the year, you know, where yeah. they started off. And um, they, uh, they ended up with, I mean, still, you know, a 17 11 record in September and October, but just it wasn't enough to beat the Orioles. The Orioles were also very good for the whole, you know, really second half of the season.
2: Yeah, and the Orioles, of course, won 101 games and the Rangers won ninety. Uh the I believe Tampa won ninety-nine, I believe. Yes. Um yeah. So I mean that's amazing to have a team that win 99 games and not win the division. Just sort of talks to how good of a season Baltimore had.
1: Yeah, and honestly, I still can't believe it. Of course, the uh I I I I can't quote exactly, but I'm pretty sure it's been said that uh the Orioles improvement from twenty twenty one to now is like the greatest over three season wins improvement that has ever been pulled off because the uh the 2021 orioles went 52 and 110 and now here we are talking about the 101 and 69 uh, 61 excuse me 2023 orioles so it was it was a huge ascent and really it's rare that uh teams that improved so much going from like 2021 to 2022, which they did uh, by winning 83 games last year. Uh, there's, I heard this in spring training. It was lodged in my brain all year. Basically it was like 95% of teams that won like more than 20 games going from one year to the next law. They, uh, they won fewer games in year three. Like they didn't continue building on it. It yeah. was, it was a vast majority could not do that And that was stuck in my brain. As soon as I heard that in a spring training game, like all year, I was like, oh man, I don't know how it's going to happen, but there's no way the Orioles are going to keep improving. And, yeah. you know, not only did they win more, they won substantially more. Um Anybody that, uh that bought an over on the, you know, at the sports books or whatever, that was set at 76 and a half wins for the <laughs> Orioles. So the Orioles, um, pretty much cashed that almost by the middle of August. And then uh, even at the all-star break, I think the over under was like 90.5 or something like that. And they cashed that not terribly long after labor day. So just nobody, including me, a very dedicated Orioles fan really believed they were going to do it, what they've done this year. And they just, they kept on winning Uh, and it's, it's really been something.
2: Well, you know, you think about it and here, here's a stat I was going to give you for the Rangers this year. The Rangers had 33 blown saves. In 2023, they're one of the first major league teams to ever make it to the postseason with that many blown saves. They had more bones blown saves than they had saves. They had 33 blown saves and 30 saves. And the amazing thing about that, you think they won 90 games and they were ahead in the ninth inning in 33 more games. So the Rangers were a much better team than even the 90 and 72 record shows, because, again, you know, 33 blown saves is an incredible number.
1: Yeah, that's really seems, I don't want to say totally fluky, but because of course it's a function of personnel and you just, ha- if the team, you know, if they didn't assemble a good bullpen, that's what it is. But like, you could probably run the exact same relief core next year, you know, exact same guys and you yeah. wouldn't have the, you know, uh, that, that, uh, 33 blown saves or whatever. Like, yeah. y- you know, that even, even if you consider, okay, it wasn't a strong bullpen, you wouldn't expect that outcome.
2: No, like I said, it's just insane. But I mean, obviously if you, if they win half of those, then the Rangers won 105 games this year instead of, instead of 90. And that would have been, you know, so offensively, I'm sure you kept up the Rangers had an amazing year overall offensively. And then of course, uh, defensively, they, they committed the least errors that they ever have in franchise history. I believe it was 52 and then pitching starting was great. But of course, you know, the Rangers, you talk about injuries. They lost Max Scherzer, who they picked up at the trade deadline. They lost Jacob Degrom early on in the season. Uh, John Gray is out right now, so the Rangers are really running on two two fifths of a rotation going into this series with Baltimore, and somehow they're still here in this series with Baltimore.
1: It's it's an impressive uh, set of things to persevere through, definitely. And you know, speaking of f- facts that were lodged in my brain, like last week I saw um, the uh, the stats guru Sarah Langs posted on Twitter about last year's postseason. And it was something like the uh, the team that scored first in last year's postseason was twenty seven and thirteen. And the team that w- had more home runs was like twenty five and six last year. And it was even more like two years ago. It was like twenty seven and two or something in in the span of one game, out homering the other team. So hearing that, when I look at the Rangers leading the American League in home runs, that didn't make me feel great. <laughs> and also, I will tell you about the Orioles. They for some reason and I don't really understand why, they are not good in the first inning. The their batters uh over the first inning they hit just 228 with a 301 on-base percentage, 386 slugging percentage. So we're talking a 687 OPS. That was their yes. second worst inning of any, you know, 1 through 9 innings uh in in terms of how they perform by OPS and their worst inning by the way is the ninth where they had a 664 OPS. So it's like, okay, you probably aren't going to score in the first inning and you're not likely to mount a ninth inning comeback. The Orioles, I believe, although they had a lot of comeback wins over the course of this season, um, the Orioles came back and won 48 times out of their 101 wins. There was only two games where they trailed going into the ninth where they ended up winning so that wasn't where so if to me it's all the more remarkable like they had 48 comeback wins and only two were coming back in the ninth and i believe both of those ninth inning games uh they took a lead in the ninth and then the reliever blew it and made it a tie and they ended up having to win an extra inning so there wasn't even like a um comeback from behind you know win in the ninth at all in the year so uh it's um you know, neither of those make me feel good looking for the postseason because if you fall behind early, the odds are against you. And statistically, based on how they perform, the Orioles are unlikely to mount a ninth inning comeback. So, I mean, we'll see how it plays out over the next three to five games here.
2: Yeah, the funny thing to me, and CJ, you can chime in here. CJ Berryman is with us now. Uh, the funny thing to me is the Rangers also went till, I think, September before they had a come from behind when they were down in the ninth inning. They hadn't won a game all year. I think September was the first time. They won a game when they were down in the ninth inning, right, CJ?
0: That sounds right, Mark. It sounds that your stat there sounds kind of like the Rangers was 2016 <laughs> then, where they had the record for most one-run wins, yeah, in a season, and it was something. It was something outlandish. And so it's it's kind of one of those stats that you don't want to see, you don't want to hear about. Like, well, it's nice that we were able to win in the clutch, but this is come playoff time. It's something. It's it's just you never know. It's hundred percent different. And I tell you, we're happy to get out of Tampa Bay and that dumpster fire of a stadium that they've got <laughs> over
1: there. Well, its days are finally numbered, it seems. So uh, yeah, uh, hopefully, so. we'll see. Yeah, I, well, that's I, another didn't enjoy the Trop either.
2: That's another crazy stat. The Rangers are six and zero in the postseason at the Trop. Seven and zero now. Seven and zero. Sorry, seven and zero after that series in the trop. And so that's just now. that's just crazy to me in the playoffs. Yeah, in the playoffs, they've never lost at Tropicana Field in three tries.
1: Well, the oh. Orioles and Rays were basically never good in the same year before this year. One of the uh, other things that was pointed out: the the Orioles and Rays had like never been one and two in the AL East before in the entire existence of basically the Rays. <laughs> wow. You know, they uh, they only came along whatever year, the 90, whatever, um, 98. And then, uh, this is also the first year, the Yankees and Red Sox were fourth and fifth in the modern. AL. Isn't that awesome? So <laughs> it is awesome. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think they had been last in the last two spots, like back in way back in the day when it was just the AL and it was like eight teams or 10 teams or whatever, a couple of times, but, um, yeah, in, in division play, this was the first time Yankees and Red Sox were the last two spots. So. I mean, that that was part of the season for the Orioles, too. You know, um, the the fact is the Yankees and Red Sox had an off year, so that did give the Orioles an easier path. But, I mean, they won a lot of games, and they, they, beat, they, they beat the Yankees, they beat the Red Sox, and uh, those teams had their own problems. But I think still they would have been contending for a wild card based on how the Orioles were playing this Definitely year. Definitely a tough division.
0: Better. Definitely a very tough division to play in.
2: Yes, for sure. So let's look ahead now. We have a first game happens Saturday at one o'clock your time, noon in Texas. Um, so who uh, who's starting? Who's starting for Baltimore in that game? Bradish so is what I'm Starting
1: seeing. for the Orioles is going to be Kyle Bradish. Yeah, and that was pretty much the no brainer choice. Although he's he's not um, you know a household name among MLB pitchers in the sense that. It went into this year, and everybody knew, okay, he's going to be good, and then he lived up to expectations, and it's like, okay, yeah, this guy, one of the top-of-the-rotation pitchers in MLB. Um, But he's done very well. He finished the season with a 2.83 ERA over 30 starts, and that was noteworthy among Orioles history because it's the first time, going back to 1992, that an Orioles starting pitcher uh, that threw at least 150 innings had an ERA under three. And in 92, that was future Hall of Famer Mike Musina Martina, I
0: was about that. to say, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's pretty good company to be in there. Um, I mean, some of that is like, you know, Musina played all of his career in the high offense era or the steroid era, if you want to call it. So you wouldn't have expected, okay, even if he was pretty good, his ERA wasn't under three and it wasn't. So to some extent, you know, it's a bit less of an offensive era now. But still, I mean, it was a using the, the park and league adjusted ERA plus was 146 ERA plus, which is really amazing performance for a starting pitcher. And, uh, for him, it's not like this year was a sudden fluke because he was also very good in the second half of last year. So it was really just a continuation of what he had started in the second half of last year. He's now got, uh, you know, nine months of really good baseball under his belt. And I think that's enough to hope that maybe he will continue. So, uh, yeah, he's he's the number one guy. He got the game one start, and presumably, if the series goes five games, he'll be going
0: again in the fifth game as
2: well. All right, CJ, talk about uh, who we project is going to start for the Rangers. That's Dane Dunning.
0: Yeah, Dane Dunning. He had we, we uh, Bruce Bochy said last week that Dane Dunning was the MVP for the team, and it, it was it's hard to argue against that because he started in the bullpen. And Jacob DeGrom goes out. It's a big kick in the, kick in the junk, you know, <laughs> and Dane Dunning first man up, comes in out of the bullpen and picks up, I mean, just, just like he had been there the whole time, been in the rotation the whole time and, and jump back into the bullpen for a brief, 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 brief period uh, in the middle of the season. And then right back in and man, he was lights out. He's been lights out since, and I think I, I only recall one start where you can actually say this season that he had a bad start. Yeah, he's super consistent. He doesn't throw super hard. He'll he'll touch ninety two, probably top out at ninety two, but mainly around 90, 91. But he mixes his speeds well. His off speed stuff's good, really good. His changeup and slider, really 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 good. So he's uh, he's not a power pitcher, but he definitely. Uh, throwing low 90s and, or then you know topping out at 92 you got to have some good stuff and you got to have to be able to locate it and he's he's done an excellent job at that so we're very happy to uh, with, with what Dane's been able to do now obviously this is his first postseason experience yeah. as, as it is a lot of, of Rangers players so it'll be interesting to see how he comes out and how the nerves the nerves are there that first inning too um it's good to hear that y'all aren't very good in the first inning so. <laughs> <laughs> no it's
1: really you know you uh the odds are the orioles will not score in the first inning unless they you know they break the trend from the year so uh, you know it's interesting hearing about dunning there it seems like a common trend of any team that kind of exceeds expectations is probably you're going to have guys coming out of
0: nowhere based yeah. on the uh preseason expectations well, we had to no uh, end up we being didn't... contributors We didn't think Evan Carter was going to be up at all this year, and he probably wouldn't have had Adolis Garcia not injured his knee and had to get put on the I.L. So so a little blessing in disguise, I guess you could call that. So, yeah, like you said, there's there's guys that there's always, when you look at the postseason, always guys that you'd never heard of that end up making an impact that helps push the team over into getting into the postseason. And, And for that, Dane Dunning, I mean, I don't know where the Rangers are without him. Uh, Mitch Garvin, yeah. another one. Uh, I don't know where the Rangers are without him, without his uh, September that he had, his September stretch where he was just killing the ball. And uh, don't know where they'd be really without Evan Carter now. I mean, it's it's been a strange, strange year, uh, one that Bruce Bochy has said uh, he's never seen before in his managing <laughs> career. So,
2: yeah, the Rangers were severely bipolar in 2023. They, very, they were the best team in baseball for the first four months, or not the best team in baseball, but the best team. In the American league West by far. And they were one of the worst teams in baseball in late August through late September. And I think they started in August eight and O and then they lost, I think 12 of their next 15 or 12 of their next 12, 16, something like of that. 18,
0: I think. It was
2: bad. Yeah. They You're yeah, six, they were six
0: the, and 16 out of their last 20.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 16
0: so. 20. yeah.
2: But anyway, let's talk about game two. You guys have Rodriguez going.
0: Yes, Grayson Rodriguez. So if you look at his season long stats,
1: you might say, "Okay, he had a 4.35 ERA for the full season. Not not too great, but uh, I think that kind of masks that he had a before and after of his 2023. So he ended up getting called up actually um, during the first series the Orioles played against the Rangers back in April where they needed him to fill in because Kyle Bradish, now the game one starter, got a line drive off the foot in his first start. And that uh, gave a little chaos. And he wasn't good uh, in April and May and ended up getting demoted back to the minors. And Rodriguez basically entered the season as like really a top 10 like prospect in all of MLB. And, and justifiably so. He had done a lot in the minor leagues to earn that kind of hype and only didn't get his debut last year. Uh, because in June he suffered an injury to his lat muscle and that ended up basically taking him out for a couple of months. And by the time he was really in shape to rehab that uh, it was, the season was almost over. So they weren't going to rush him just up to the Orioles in September. Um, and, and he didn't look like that guy in April and May and they sent him back to the minors. And, you know, there were people, Orioles fans who are like, Oh man, here's another Orioles pitching prospect. who's a bust and he's just never going to make it. And, All of you who believed in him were just stupid for thinking it was going to happen. And uh, he worked on some stuff in AAA and they called him back up after the all-star break. And in the second half of the season, he went on to have uh, a 2.58 ERA over 13 starts. And that was with uh, 73 strikeouts over 76 and two thirds innings only allowed three home runs to uh, 304 batters that he faced wow. after the all-star break. So whatever he went down and worked on in triple a, it did seem like he came back um, ready to look like the top 10 prospect in the game that he was thought to be before the season. And that now,
0: was he a, a ground ball pitcher, like a sinker
1: type pitcher or, or he's really more of like a strikeout guy and then gets some pop-ups rather than giving up home runs when it's going mm-hmm. well for him. So I mean I don't know how that'll play out here in October in the uh, in the postseason. Um actually there there were some folks on on Camden Chat on my website that uh, wanted the Orioles to have John Means start game 2 of the series. Means of course threw a no-hitter uh, in Seattle 2 years ago for the Orioles, but he has not been a part of the team really the resurgence um Dating back to last year because he last year he only started two games and then he blew out his ACL and needed Tommy John surgery. So, um, you know, that took him out until this year. And when he was starting the rehab for the Tommy John, he uh he injured one of his back muscles and that knocked him back a couple more months. So he didn't make it back to MLB until September. He's he made four regular season starts. Um, After coming back from the Tommy John here, but still some people wanted him to start in Camden Yards because he is a homer prone pitcher. And as a lefty, um, you know, facing the righties, his weak side, folks thought maybe he would have more of an advantage pitching to the new left field wall dimensions at Camden Yards. I I think that would have been overthinking galaxy brain kind of stuff because yeah. really just have your two best starting pitchers start game one and two and you don't, you don't need to overthink that, you know, but there were people that were trying to talk themselves into means. Uh, I don't know if he'll end up being a game three starter game four. I, I honestly don't know how the Orioles are going to evaluate means. He did yeah. at least have one deep start. Uh, I think he went seven and a third in one of his four starts. So it's, he he did build up the pitch count, but that was against the Guardians, not a uh, powerhouse offense on hey, the, they the, of the Rangers. You know, <laughs> um, which doesn't mean you know. They, obviously, they're still major leaguers, but their their yeah. offense overall was not very good. So, I, I don't know how the Orioles are going to look at where they want means to face uh, face the Rangers. But um,
2: we'll, well, you we'll guys, see how it shakes out. You guys will be facing Jordan Montgomery on Sunday, who obviously had his best start of the season in the playoffs. Uh, pitched over seven shutout innings against Tampa Bay. Uh, On the season, he had a 279 ERA. He started 11 games with the Rangers. This is with the Rangers. He had a 279 ERA. Um, You know, he struck out 58 in uh, 67 innings. Not not really a strikeout guy. He's a ground ball guy. He does such a really good job. And that last start, if he builds off that, you know, it's going to be hard for the Orioles to get a lot of hits off of him because he was really, really good in that last start. Just shut down uh, Tampa Bay. Of course, he made that diving catch over on a bunt by first base it was really incredible in that game so montgomery has been the only thing i think that really well not the only thing but the pitcher that has taken over is the ace with no degrom and no scherzer in the lineup he seems to be the one that's really picked that up and he was kind of a quiet signing when the rangers traded for him no one was really excited about jordan montgomery coming over but cj he's turned out to be our best pitcher in the month of september
0: yeah thus far and with you struggles coming off the the il but you Uvalde- I mean, he followed that up with an outstanding start, you know, game two, as you know. And if we get that Jordan Montgomery, who he loves, they had nine right-handers. The entire batting lineup for the Rays was all right-handers against Montgomery, and he he doesn't mind that at all. He just he attacks the outside corner, the four seam fastball, a two seam fastball, and a cha- his changeup is is. Just really, really good, and then what? He like I like what he did in the going through the third, going through the order for the third time. He started throwing breaking balls. He started opening up with curveballs. Just changed the changed his his uh <clears throat> changed his rhythm up and was getting ahead on breaking balls and then going back away uh, with fastballs and changeups. So he he's done excellent. And yeah, like you said, it, it was uh not not a huge. Huge as a Max Scherzer trade, not no. nothing like that. It wasn't. It wasn't that high profile. But he has definitely been the Rangers' best pitcher since he's come over from St. St. Louis.
2: Yeah, and I don't expect to see Scherzer back in this series. There's a small chance he could, but I don't expect to see Scherzer if the Rangers wind up advancing past this series. It's a possibility, but I still don't know if you would see him in that series. But I really yeah, think this game is going to come, or this game, this series is going to come down to bullpens, which is where. The Rangers have been their worst by far this year. Their bullpen was just, I mean, fans pretty much described it as a dumpster fire for most of the season, but the thing is they've been good of late and they did great in the playoffs. So between Baltimore and the Rangers, I'm pretty sure you guys have the bullpen edge, Mark.
1: Well, yeah, so here's the thing. I, I don't know how deep you guys are in Orioles injury news, but basically a big part of why the Orioles bullpen was so great this year was Felix Bautista, the all-star closer. And he ended up suffering a partial tear to his ulnar collateral ligament and is going to need Tommy John surgery. He suffered that, uh, when, I think is uh like August 28th or something like that. So oh. pretty close to the end of the season. Uh, they tried to have him... Do some rehab through September to see if maybe he'd be able to pitch through the tear and help in the postseason. But that turned out to not be the case. So they announced he's going to need Tommy John surgery. He's out till spring training 2025. So, I mean, that's a, that's a tough guy to lose. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Orioles they did without him. Their their ERA. Um, without Bautista in September in the last couple of days of August was actually identical for their relievers versus when, before Bautista was hurt as it turned out, but still it's a tough blow. I think particularly Bautista as a huge strikeout guy, like he had 110 strikeouts in 61 innings this year. Oh, yeah. And for much of the season, he was striking out literally more than 50% of the batters he faced. He ended up being slightly below that. I think 47% when it all finished. So I mean, that's, you know, think about that guy in the playoffs, right? If you can have a guy who's going to come in for an inning and he's probably going to strike out two guys, that's that gets you a long way towards uh, yeah. an easy ninth inning, that you know? Two, the two and of an and inning so, so, right. You can, right. You can so, really so he's out of the mix. And, uh, and that's a tough blow. The Orioles did still have plenty of other good relievers. Nobody as good as Bautista. Um, I don't know. They might end up kind of playing matchups rather than having a specific closer. It's hard to say. They did have another all-star reliever in Yenier Cano, who uh, really came out of nowhere. And uh, he had like a under one ERA for most of the first half of the season, struggled a bit in June and July, and then bounced back uh, in August and September, finished the year with a 2.11 ERA, He's more of a ground ball pitcher, so that's like, okay, if there's a man on first, pretty good chance he's going to get a ground ball, maybe a double play. Um, they picked up reliever Danny Cologne from the Twins for cash at the end of spring training. He ended up being a key part of the bullpen, a 2.81 ERA in 61 games. And so that's maybe your, your two, two top guys. Um, C.N.L. Perez, another lefty along with Colombe, Finished the year with a 3.54 ERA. That was much like Rodriguez, a very bad first half, and he rebounded a lot in the second half. And I think the two key guys in the bullpen, You know, if you're starting to talk about, oh, who's going to pitch the 7th or even the 6th, it's probably going to end up being D.L. Hall, who was another pitching prospect for the Orioles. Uh, He was a starter prospect. They kind of shifted him into the bullpen this year. He is a hard-throwing lefty and... Maybe potentially could be the strikeout heavy guy that they lost when Bautista got injured. And uh, also, it looks like in the bullpen, it's going to be Tyler Wells, who actually started the year in the Orioles rotation. And uh, through June, I believe, was the MLB leader in whip, walks plus hits. Oh, wow. yeah. innings pitched. Uh And then he was very bad in like four July starts as he was crossing past a career high in innings pitched because he'd never really crossed 100 innings before. Um, In his pro career. So it seemed like he was worn down. The Orioles sent him to the minors, ended up converting him to the bullpen. He came back in September, had um, six scoreless innings over his last four games, something like that. So I I feel like Hall and Wells stepping up is is maybe going to be a key part of the bullpen rather than like necessarily cano or cologne in the eighth or the ninth or whatever it's it's probably going to be can you find a bridge with somebody like hall or wells if it's uh, the sixth and seventh for the bullpen
2: so cj let's let's talk about the guys that have been doing it since they came back and are healthy uh seven eight nine the rangers have gone with josh spores then as Chapman, and then Jose Leclerc. Jose Leclerc was supposed to be the closer. Started the season just dreadful. I mean, I think his ERA was almost or over seven in the it beginning of the bad. season as the closer.
0: He had a bad uh, spring, too.
2: Yeah, he had a bad spring. So anyway, they wound up taking him out. He got hurt. He rehabbed. He came back, and he has been really, really good since he came back. Chapman, uh, if you see Chapman on the second day, you guys are going to have a lot of fun, just to let you know. Oh, is he Uh,
1: one of these guys who's bad on uh, back to back? Chapman,
2: Uh, Chapman. They gave stats during the last series. He has a two point oh two ERA on on his first day and a seven point seven nine ERA if he pitches back to back days. Wow, he
0: has more walks than innings pitched when he hit on that second day. On the second
2: day, yeah. Yeah, So he is not. not If the Rangers get in a place where they have to bring him in, then you guys will have some of those ninth inning runs you were talking about because <laughs> he is not good on the second. Yeah.
0: But the good thing that little clerk has come back and he was a guy Ben and I were thinking might get DFA'd at one yeah. point during the season. And he, he came back and uh, he was hitting 98 miles an hour yeah. in the playoffs. I mean, just, and he's got a nasty chain, a uh, nasty uh, slider, very yeah. nasty slider. He does uh, make the, make the hitter look silly slider and coming off of the coming off of the the fastball that it's it's now hitting 98 where he was hitting 94 95 it's a big difference and he's yeah. hitting it with low he's, he's hitting it location low inside corner the strikeout that he got to to end the game the other day and and get get us toward to the point where we are now was a low inside i mean just right where Jonah Heim called it yeah. low inside corner 98 miles an hour 3-2 count and he he didn't. He's unflappable. He doesn't. He like they said on the the game. The the broadcast said that he looked like he was a uh, taking a walk on the beach you know, <laughs> while he's out there trying to close the game because he just he's he's very calm. So that was a huge boost. Josh Moore's has been the surprise for us this year. He's we always we knew he always had the stuff. The stuff was there. It's pretty electric, but he never was able to put a consistent.
2: He couldn't stay in the zone. He
0: yeah. couldn't. He couldn't. He couldn't stay in the zone. He 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 would lose command. He'd have a good game or two, and then just lose it for five. But not. You know, It was about midway through the season. He really started to come on and put some consistent outings back together, and he, he earned his spot as being a, a guy that would come in in tight situations and high leverage situations later on in the games. And so you'd look at him for sure being the seventh inning guy. Um, so. It, it it looked a lot better than it has been all year long in the playoffs were only you know they only the, the rays only had one hit off the bullpen in two games so one it, run one run i'm sorry
2: um no you're right one hit i'm sorry off the bullpen one hit one, hit and one, hit, one no run. runs yeah no the and, run was off of all. oh so. that was
0: uboldi yeah, yeah that was uboldi yeah. oh. so yeah they they did they did outstanding in the playoffs and um so it, yeah, if we if we get that bullpen, the same bullpen that uh, that we got in Tampa Bay, it'll be it'll be tough on the Orioles. But but if we revert back to what's you know <laughs> the previous one sixty two. We don't have a whole lot of
2: confidence. Yeah, the problem is the like Rangers goes, can't dude. can't seem to hit and pitch at the same time. Right. Well, Except for those two get wildcard games. Because hmm. the Rangers, you know, had scored the most runs of any team in baseball this year. They hit the most home runs of any team in baseball. But they also got shut out like eight or nine times this year. And then had, oh, games, yeah. where they had games where they just, I mean, it looked like they had never played baseball before. They're John- there just hacking, hacking at everything.
0: Poor John Gray seemed like every time he pitched, he never got runs.
2: Oh yeah. John Gray lost back to back one to nothing games where he pitched complete complete games games. in both of them,
0: complete games, one (laughs) run allowed with the Texas offense and got no help.
2: Yep. So that he's, he's on the injured list. So you won't see him during this series. All right. So offensively, both these teams are really good. So let's, let's go ahead and throw our predictions out there, guys. We'll start with you, Mark. Who do you think wins the series? How many games?
1: You know, I am uh, congenitally unable to believe in the Orioles. I actually put on Camden, Chat Rangers in four. I'll tell you why. I did have a reason. And it's because the Orioles offense uh, was pretty bad for the last two weeks. And so it didn't fill me with confidence that they're (laughs) going to be able to come out and probably score the amount of runs they're going to need to be able to score. And so that was why I said that. But also that's because... um, as I joked on my own podcast, like my learned life experience in nearly 40 years of life as an Orioles fan is not full of positives. <laughs> um, this is, I think the sixth time in my life they've been in the postseason at all. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's just like, and again, going back to it, like, this was not the year they were supposed to start being good, you know? So that was like another thing fans were wrestling with through the year. It's like, this isn't even the major prospect heavy team that we were all imagining that would start being good. Maybe like next year, it's almost like they arrived a year earlier than expected. So, like I don't know what to make of all of these guys. They've a number of them had good years. Like the Orioles ended up having a pretty darn good outfield trio: Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, basically all having career years. I wasn't sure that any. I I didn't think like two thirds of those guys were going to make the next great Orioles team. I thought it was going to be the prospects replacing. Yeah, you know, and so, them. like I, the Orioles won 101 games this year, right? But like I've never been totally sure what to make of them. And now I'm sitting here like, okay, can they win in the postseason? <laughs> I cannot click to my brain and say yes. I see it happening. So yeah, Rangers in four was what I put on uh, on Camden Chat. We'll see um, if they exceed my
0: expectations.
2: All right, CJ, what you got?
0: Uh, I knew you were going to have me go first.
2: <laughs> uh, I can go first if you want. Really, Maybe it's
0: just, it's so going to depend. Um, I predict it will go five games, one way or the other, and that if the if you get the Rangers that showed up to Tampa Bay. The Rangers will win the series. If you get more of what we saw, especially the last week of the season, then the Rangers are in trouble because Baltimore is a team that, from what from what we've seen over here, as far as looking at Baltimore, is they take advantage of opportunities given, especially uh, extra outs, you know, errors or walks, whatnot. And the Rangers uh, again, that bullpen just just worries me. Uh, anything, anything prior to if you're able to get to your our starting pitchers and you get a get get the pitch the pitcher out before the sixth inning, I I, I worry a lot about that. Yeah. So I'll say Rangers in five, but it's going to take them being what they were against Tampa Bay to beat a more complete. I think because the Rays did have a lot of injuries. I think that the Orioles are are much healthier than the Rays were. So they're not, I just don't think that they're going to get enough chances that the Rays gave them uh, to win. So I will take the Rangers in five because I believe they're going to take that momentum from the last series and and push it forward.
2: Well, here's my thought. I think if it goes five, I think the Rangers are in trouble because I think, again, if you look back at that Tampa series, Tampa helped them out. They had five errors in the second game that helped them out. They had a, two or three errors in the first game that helped the Rangers out. The Rangers scored a lot, but they still didn't look fantastic. So if they get in trouble, I have a feeling that offense is going to start swinging too much. So I think they have to get rid of it quick. I don't think they will. I think it's going to be a five game series as well, but I'm going to go Baltimore in five, just because I think I'm like Mark. My, my history tells me that the Rangers aren't going to, aren't going to win this series. But, you know, it's funny because both teams arrived a year early. The Rangers weren't supposed to be good till 2024. You know, both teams have a lot of young guys impacting, like the Rangers have Evan Carter, Josh Young, Jonah Heim, you know, all the uh, Nathan Lowe, Nathaniel Lowe, all these guys making Play, an impact. Yeah, they and haven't one, played this long. <laughs> one of these two teams is going to have to have a, a fall apart in order for the other one to win the series. Both teams are good. They match up really well. I think it's going to be a fantastic series to watch. I don't think any game will be a blowout. And like I said, if it comes down to the bullpen, I just feel like we're in trouble if the game yeah, comes down to the bullpen. I really? Do. So I've got I've got Orioles in five, and I had one favor to ask Mark. I told him off air. One favor is if the Orioles do win this series and Minnesota loses theirs, please knock the the Houston Astros. Yes,
0: yes, we'll become Baltimore fans for sure. <laughs> For for that series,
1: <laughs> well, the Orioles split their six games against the Astros this year, so we'll see if I end up having to worry about that. But uh, yeah, the, the Orioles also don't have a whole ton of postseason experience. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, uh, the one guy that's the, the most veteran guy on the team is Kyle Gibson, who I don't even know if we're going to see pitch in the series. He was um, on the Phillies last year mm-hmm. when they made their World Series run, and they basically like banished him during the postseason run. Like he he, uh, he didn't pitch. He didn't start any game, uh, which of course he should not have. He had an ERA over five in yeah. the regular season last year, mm-hmm. so why would you want him to start? And uh, he had a four point seven three ERA for the Orioles this year. So I also hope we don't see him um,
0: that start a, guy a game we're in this fond series. Of, uh, you know really good like, for us.
1: <laughs> yeah, if, if it goes three, I feel like it's going to be maybe John Means, maybe Dean Kramer. And if it goes for the other one of those guys, and yeah. um, Gibson maybe in like emergency long relief or something, but um, you know their 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 most uh, experienced postseason player, I believe, on the roster in terms of games played is Aaron Hicks, who ended up arriving uh, at the end of May after the Yankees got rid of him because. He was uh, old and slow and not hitting anymore. <laughs> yeah. And he was revitalized a pretty good amount coming to the Orioles, it turned yeah. out. Maybe just needed a change of scenery. Finished with yeah. the or, the season with the Orioles with a uh, 381 on base percentage with the O's in 200 uh, at-bats. Wow. It's, it's 236 pretty plate appearances. And uh, he 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 looked really slow in the outfield in September. I, I hope <laughs> we don't see him out there. Certainly not in any late innings, but... You know, I mean, that was, and you do want to talk about unexpected guys. That was another one. Like no one could have known he was going to be on the Orioles at the start of the season. And uh, they brought him in, in response to Cedric Mullins uh, getting injured and Mullins ended up missing about a month and Hicks was good enough that they kept him around even after Mullins was back. Uh, He's kind of, although as a switch hitter, he's kind of been like a platoon uh, guy and he's been doing well. So uh, again, I, you know, I don't know. I I cannot believe in the Orioles. Uh, I'll also tell you the last time I believed in the Orioles, uh, was the 2014 American league championship series when they were playing the Royals. And that was coming off of sweeping the Tigers. When every game the Tigers pitched a Cy Young winner, the Orioles (laughs) plowed right through them. It was, um, what was it? It was David Price, Max Scherzer, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Was it Rick Porcello or Porcello won one later. There might've been a third guy. I'm sorry to that guy I'm forgetting. But (laughs) so, you know, it was like, okay, the Orioles just rolled over the Tigers. They're the team of destiny. And then no, no, the 2014 Royals uh, did them in. So I I just can't be like, yes, the Orioles are going to do it uh, because it's just beyond my imagination. But I I agree with you guys. This should be a really interesting series. I think there's some very good players and very interesting young players who are going to be, making their mark on MLB over the next several years. Uh yeah. that, yep. that should be uh, you know, I for the first few months, I guess people were talking about kind of Gunnar Henderson and Josh Young uh kind of dueling it out for AL yeah. rookie of the year. Yep. I think Young's injury uh knocked him out of that consideration yeah. a bit yep. and, and Henderson kept doing really well. But, you know, that that's a that's a pair of young guys that should be interesting for years. Um I I it's it's two teams that seem like they're this is not the best they're going to be in the next two to three years. Yeah. That isn't just uh, a Cinderella
0: one time show up, you know,
1: you know, it would be looking back in like 10 years or 15 years, like the rosters that are here. Like you could have some players that end up having some really good careers. Kind of like when I look back on the Orioles that were in the postseason in the nineties, like 1996, 1997 in 97, in the division series, they played the Mariners and there was like, I think there was like six future hall of famers on, on those rosters. And that's not counting Alex Rodriguez, who's his own complicated case, who was of course <laughs> at the very beginning of his career on the Mariners. Yeah. And then um, Raphael Palmeiro, also a complicated case on the Orioles, but yeah. you know, that those were loaded rosters. Look at yeah. look at the 97 division series between the Orioles and Mariners. And I'm not saying there's going to be multiple hall of famers in this series, but I think, you know, if we look at it 10 years down the road, it's going to be like, wow, there were some guys who had some really great careers that, uh, yeah. you know, cut their postseason teeth in this Orioles Rangers ALDS. Yeah.
2: Well, Mark, I have a strong feeling that this isn't the last time the Rangers and Orioles are going to meet in the playoffs <laughs> in the next five or six years, because both teams, like you said, young nucleuses, both teams got some budding stars and both teams are they're a year early. So next year, you know, we could see this exact same matchup again next year. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But thank you so much for joining us tonight, Mark. Thank you guys for having me. I'm it's going to be an angst uh, ridden series for both of
1: all of us I think and uh, I'm already nervous. Good good luck to the winner <laughs> going forward in any
0: case. Totally right agree. I am rooting right for on.
2: whoever wins this series. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. All right, Mark Brown, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Ranger Report podcast. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and at the com.